0: is a presentation of financial crisis recovery.
1: Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to
2: financial strength. Todd Rooker. Hey, welcome everybody. Good morning. How are you doing? Just past Mike Overson on his way out the door. Uh, some great information. The last uh, caller asking about when should you refinance, and I always think that's an interesting question because there's so much to it. And not unlike Mike, uh, it's it's dangerous to get into too much complexity on the phone because you lose people, uh, but it is it is complex and you know the the simple answer would always be to do the math as it relates to all financial decisions but of course most people don't know the math don't know the financial formulas don't know how to use that 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 data to to make those decisions and that's problematic because what we're going to talk about today financial coaching is all about making financial decisions and the cost of making the wrong ones. So we're going to talk about some, what I consider to be some pretty profound information today. And uh, if you are a financial animal, uh, you're going to relate to a lot of the things that I'm talking about. If you're a financial advisor, if you're a CPA, if you're just a, a person who manages your personal finances, I think you're going to find a lot of this information to be infinitely valuable. And I would recommend, if you do find it intriguing, that you go go to my Facebook page and you go to a post, you do a search on a post, which is, what is a financial coach? Now, I'll tell you that I do a lot of of posts, rambles, uh, or what I call rookers. Rooker's Rants that's me being my name Todd Rooker and I will in the late night sometimes I'll get some subject or some concept in my crawl uh, having worked that day with a client and having frustration and so I'll then at the end of the day which usually is about midnight I'll have a glass of wine and I'll start I'll start hammering out some rant that I'll put on Facebook. And of course, in the morning hours when I awake, I'll look at what I posted the night before and wonder what in the heck I was thinking of and why I wasn't smart enough to vet some of those things I said. So I'll be editing after that. But anyway, uh, this is one of those things. What is a financial coach? And I think I think um, it's worth talking about because I think that uh, money and finance, for the most part, is lost on many people. And they will make statements like, I'm not a financial coach person. I pay other people to do that. And I think that's all lunacy. I think you have to become a financial person. I say regularly that to be sustainably successful in any business or even in your personal life, you must strive to become a financial person. And moreover, saying to yourself or other people that I'm not a financial person, preconditions and programs your brain to think that way. And that's problematic in and of itself. You need to say that I am a financial person or I Will become a financial person because you want to program yourself to think and open yourself up to these concepts, some of which I'm going to be talking about here momentarily. So, what is a financial coach? Uh financial advice for the most part. If you ask, if 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 you say I'm a I I mean I'm a financial person, what do most people think of immediately? Oh, oh, you're a financial advisor. No, I'm not. Uh what? oh, 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 you're a CPA. No, not that either. Huh? Well, I I don't get it. I don't get it. And that really is the truth. That's how, that's I mean, if you're not a CPA and you're not a financial advisor, then if you're a financial person, then you work for a company. Are you in accounting in the company? No, no. I provide people with financial guidance strategy and help them make decisions that can have dramatic long-term effects on their lives but you might think that well why would i pay somebody to do that i mean i can pretty much just go on the internet and i can just you know read some stuff and and i'll be good well let me let me lay something on you folks if uh, apparently if enough people do the incorrect thing and say that the, the incorrect thing is correct enough times over and over again in that it becomes what is referred to as common knowledge, even though it's commonly wrong, surprisingly, everybody thinks it's okay because... What's the big deal? It's what everybody does. Well, what if what everybody does is completely wrong and everybody reinforcing the decision to justify why they made the decision on the internet to say, this is okay, and this is why I did it, and this is how I did it, and and I can read it as a financial person, a bona fide financial person with a substantial background in money and finance and business and law. And I can look at that and say, that is flat out incorrect information. But uh, you know, but everybody yeah. says that when you're, <laughs> You want to keep a 50% amount of your credit
3: utilized because that shows activity. Um I mean, this stuff is unbelievably common, Todd. Yes, it is. It you, is. Know, you know, here's here's one funny example. It even stretches to idioms. You've heard you catch more flies with honey, right? It's not true. You catch more flies with vinegar. It is it is completely the opposite of what is reality. But everyone uses this phrase because well, they don't know. Well, they some, don't know.
2: Somebody must have been playing a trick on somebody. Right, just, exactly.
3: <laughs> or at some point it switched, you know, in history because, you know, like someone made a mistake in a popular book or a, who knows. I don't know where it comes from, but I do know that the common idiom is wrong.
2: That's it. <laughs> I mean, and, and I, 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 I so appreciate you saying that because evident is correct. and And this is the challenge. So when I, when I talk about financial strategy, let me say this, and I'm, and I'm gonna probably reiterate this point more than once, but it's valid and I probably couldn't say it enough, certainly on a, not on a one hour radio show. And it is this. The reason for people succeeding or not succeeding to a greater or lesser degree in their financial lives has almost nothing to do with the investment selections that they make. So, you know, when you think about, well, financial success is all about hiring the best financial advisor or all about picking the right investments in your 401k. No, it's not. It's about the mistakes that people make ongoingly with education, with with real estate purchases, with business partnerships. And I'm going to get into the specifics, and as I say, I'll say it more than once. But these things cost you, in some instances, hundreds of thousands of dollars and set you back dramatically. And moreover, remember that whatever you lose today, if that money were put to work for you, it isn't simply the dollars that you lose today. It's what those dollars would have turned into with compound returns returns over a time period until you actually needed the money. So if it's 30 years before you need the money and you you lost $50,000 because your business partnership blew up or because you got a divorce, imagine if you had gotten uh, stuck that $50,000 into an investment and that $50,000 had compounded over the period of the next 10, 20, or 30 years. We would be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of difference for that one mistake. Are you are you feeling me here? Are you fully appreciating what I'm saying? So the day-by-day decisions that people make are the catastrophes in their financial lives. And they make them mindlessly because, just as Evan says, well, everybody else does it. Well, that's not a lot of consolation if what everybody else is doing is wrong. Todd, the-
3: do you happen to know off the top of your head how many people there are in the United States that don't have enough money to, like, Pay one month of bills. It's the it's it's over fifty percent. You're right. It's it's a huge portion.
2: In fact, is, if the census says if they they had asked uh, they had asked people in the census if you had to come up with an unexpected payment of five hundred dollars at the end of the month, how many could come up with it? And more than fifty percent of the households said they wouldn't be able to do that. So five hundred bucks. That's not a month. That's five hundred bucks.
3: Right. And that's just kind of insanity to me, honestly. And yeah. don't get me wrong. I don't have a ton of money. On Layaway. I'm not, you know, I'm, I work in radio. I don't, I don't make a lot of money, but not not having the free budget to be able to come with up with like, oh, I need to get new tires, right, or something like that is that's crazy. That it's over half of American households are in that position.
2: Absolutely. And here's and the it's th- like everyone is like that. And exactly. And here's the common knowledge. Well, what do you mean? I'm fine. I, I can do that. Why? Because I have a credit card. Uh huh. Hey. Exactly. So, so to most people, the common knowledge is, well, I, I, you know, I don't understand why that's such a problem. You just put it on a credit card. Credit's the same as cash, Todd. Everyone knows that. Is it? <laughs> There's that common knowledge, right? Yep. Being commonly wrong,
3: you know, you go into the bank and they say, "Hey, you're approved for thirty grand of credit," and you go, "Man, the bank just cut me a check for thirty grand
2: because I'm such a cool dude, right?" And then your mind goes crazy thinking about conjuring up all the things you can you can buy with that money, and the next thing you know, now you've got a payment, and the thing whatever it was, probably is never going to last as long as the payment's going to last. So you you have to recognize that the decisions that you make, that really is what comes down to financial coaching and strategy. Those those are the things. Avoiding mistakes. And when you talk to a financial advisor, remember something. the The concept of asset allocation, diversification, is all about limiting or minimizing downside risk. The question I would pose to you is, how do you do that in your daily life when you make decisions? And the other challenge that enters into this problem is that people are fundamentally cheap and have been taught to be that way, meaning or in so much that they're never going to pay someone who is really competent in these areas because they don't know how to not try to do everything on the cheap themselves, even though they'll make a colossal mistake. And so all of these things go on over and over and over again. And so, you know, if you say, well, what's, you know, look, everybody does it. I don't think that's a lot of consolation. I think that you have to, if you want to succeed to any degree. And, and, you know, I'm fully aware that, you know, people will scream that money's not important or it's not all about money and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, frankly, I, I think most of the time people saying that are the ones who are frustrated about the fact that money is so important and that's their way of screaming to the world, their defiance. Uh, but reality is money is very important. And whether you, whether it's more or less important, doing more with what you have is always the goal even if you say money's not important. And so the mistakes that you make along the way are the things that create big, big challenges. So let me say this. So-called financial advice is dominated by investment advisors and life insurance agents. Do you agree with that? or CPAs right so much so that if you call yourself a financial coach or strategist people have no idea what to make of you or what you actually do what what do you huh what do you do uh, so more often than not they think you're either well they think you are oftentimes a life coach and you're just doling out pseudo psychology or some form of counseling to teach people to overcome their their I- intrinsic issues you know you have I have issues <laughs> Uh, and, and and I'll just tell you from my perspective, that isn't what we do. We show people metrics, which is to say formulas, to consider financial decisions that can be impacting long term and show them how to look at those things objectively. Everybody's got their own internal, you know, desires and everybody has their own uh, uh, pressures and, and, and uh, you know, just sensibilities. We know that. Everybody has them. But the best way to overcome those is with pure math. And remember this, you might say, yeah, I know it's probably not the best decision, but, but what? Well, but I want to do it anyway. (laughs) So when you say it's probably not the best financial decision, are we talking about hundreds of dollars of, of, of bad, bad mistake move here? Or do we add zeros to that? Because as we add zeros, minor decisions become major decisions, and you probably don't want to see the zeros because the reality is you just want to do this. And you don't want to know. You don't want to see what the impact actually is long term because then you're going to feel bad about doing something that you desperately want to do. And don't forget that one of the biggest things that creeps into all of this is that every one of us are trying to prove to the world that we're doing pretty well. And part of the challenge with that is that all the things that you put out in the world to prove how are you doing financially are generally all depreciating or declining assets that will go down in value substantially. Clothes, cars, boats, all the toys that everybody wants to push out there and show, hey man, the guy stroked a check for a hundred grand to buy a new brand new ski boat. Wow, he's got it going on. Yeah, it's a depreciating asset and it's a, tor- it's a terrible financial move because remember, every payment that you make could be put into an investment account that would be worth this much money. Yeah, but it's not all about the money. It's about lifestyle. Well, it's a happy medium. It has to be a measured approach to things. So when you say it's a mistake, let me show you how many zeros the mistakes cost you. And then you can say, I'm willing to make this mistake. Because if the mistake costs $3,000, that's one thing. If the mistake costs $30,000, or God forbid, $300,000 as we add zeros, you might think differently about this minor mistake that isn't exactly the right decision. So we really have to be conscious and, and cognizant of, of, of what that means. And this is my point. People don't look at it this way. They don't do the math, as I, as I said about, you know, should I refinance? So, you know, we've got to to learn how to manage these things. We've got to be conscious of cash flow, and we've got to be conscious about making or or avoiding mistakes. So back to the point: traditional financial planners uh, are are not people who generally help you make decisions about money. They help you make meaning meaning day by day finances. They help you with stocks, bonds, you know, mutual funds, uh, and and uh, you know th- those types of investable assets with the investment money that you have to work with. Um, And that's, you know, that's great. That's what they do. But that's only one small segment of your financial life. So when I say to you, I don't do those things, and you scratch your head and say, well, if you're not helping me with my taxes, you're not a CPA, Uh, we do kind of do that, Um, or if you're not helping me with my investment decisions in my retirement account then I don't actually understand what you do. And that's that's an interesting uh, paradigm, isn't it? That, that people really, they don't think about the other things in their lives as being as significant and substantive in terms of their long-term success. And I feel that that's a problem. So, um, and, and, and uh, I'll make another point. You know, many of you believe that if I talk to a certified financial planner, they're gonna help me manage my money. No. (laughs) And and let me tell you why. I, I used to, I was in that industry and I managed people who were in that industry. And let me just tell you this. The last thing in the world the financial advisor wants to do is to say something to you about your lifestyle that might cause you not to go with them as a financial advisor. And here you were about to roll your million-dollar-plus retirement account from the company-sponsored account into your self-directed account. And now that investment advisor is going to get, well, we'll just say 1% assets under management, $10,000 a year, 1% on your million dollars, for as long as that money is there. And they're going to take that risk by telling you that you shouldn't be taking your trip to Europe because you really can't afford it? Do you you think they're really that ignorant? They stay as far away from those things as they possibly can. And even if they do talk to you about these things, they're never going to bear down on you and be adamant that you can't or shouldn't do these things, even though they know you shouldn't be doing it. Because at the end of the day, it's your money, and that might damage that delicate relationship they have with you and cause you to take your money and go somewhere else to talk with someone who tells you what you want to hear and doesn't tell you what you don't want to hear. Do you understand that? That's... The reality of financial planning and a financial advisor's role, their role is all about determining suitability of investments, suitability meaning that you have a risk tolerance. When you go to work with a financial advisor, they try to determine through a process what your tolerance to risk is and what your upside potential is. When they do that, that determines the investments that they're going to show you. That's only one component of what they do. We're going to go into more of what their job actually is and what their job is
4: not in just a moment. Take a break.
1: Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's full potential.
4: At Home Rental Systems, we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums, and will attain the highest monthly rent possible.
1: Go to homerentalsystems.com or call now at 612-701-4375.
4: Accounting and bookkeeping services are no longer just about record keeping. For decades, Arliss Cleveland has been passionate about helping individuals and businesses look at their taxes and financials in a big picture strategy that allows them to position for maximum profitability. Arliss Cleveland Limited is big enough to handle any size client, yet small enough to give you the direct personal attention you deserve. Their philosophy is that accounting and tax services are about more than just numbers on a page. It's all about building client relationships that are personal. Call 763 786 Six for a free consultation.
1: What are the first 3 letters in the word smart? S M A. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made smart affordable since 1994 as an LP Smartside master level siding installer, a GAF Master Elite roofing installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota. You're guaranteed to make the smart choice. Call today for your free estimate. 877
2: SMA today or go online That's
4: 763-559-3800. If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you can could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filings, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to cy A21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.com. You're listening to Cover Sets with Todd Rooker.
2: Welcome back, everybody. We are uh, talking about financial coaching. That was a perfect commercial, <laughs> Lindsay. That was great. Uh, by the way, we have to lament the death of Joe, my producer. He has he has left us to go on to greener pastures. Joe, we wish you well. Uh, Lindsay's taking over, so I get to give Lindsay crap every Saturday morning, presumably. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, it's you are, huh? Yeah, I love getting crap. It's great. You we'll learn see, things. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. I'll, I'll work on it. <laughs> So, so you know, let's let's talk about what a financial advisor does and what's a reasonable uh, expectation. More often than not, I will hear people say, "Hey, Todd, listen, uh, I, I listen to your show every Saturday morning, and I want to come see you, and I want to help. You. I want you to help me find a good advisor, or help me do better in my investment portfolio." And when they say that, I know that they are following the herd mentality, which is to say that most people believe that you hire a good financial advisor to get a higher rate of return in your portfolio. Well, certainly, I understand that's true. Certainly, I understand that that's what you think you're hiring them for. And in the end result, it may actually work out that way. But that's really not what they do. Because the first Point that you must take in under consideration is that they, your your financial advisor, you know, are almost never, based on most people's tolerance to risk, that risk reward, hey, you want to take more risk, you got more upside potential, you also have a greater chance for loss. You want all security, you want guarantees, well, then you give away the upside potential, and that's just that that whole game. So first recognize that for most of you, your tolerance to risk is not going to have you in individual equities or stocks, meaning that you're buying a portion of an individual stock within a company. You're actually, in most cases, people are going to be purchasing diversified investments, which are mutual funds, uh, maybe even bond funds and, and, or uh, of course there are, there, there's the Vanguard 500 and the index funds and all of the like which literally within with one share puts you into hundreds, if not thousands of companies. So you are incredibly diversified by doing that. Now, what does that mean? It means that some of those investments will do well and some of them will will do poorly. And the reason that you're diversified in so many is because if you had just one investment and it went sideways, you might lose a whole lot of your money, your actual asset value. And so what is done through diversification is to invest in many, many different things so that some will do better, some will do worse. You don't know, nor does your investment advisor, nor does anybody on Wall Street know. And as a result, you get an average return with the good basket of stocks and the and the uh, the uh, performers that didn't do as well. And here's your average. Now, You might say, well, yeah, but the market overall, the S&P index typically returns slightly higher than 10% over time. So, hey, that's not bad. Yeah, but you're not getting that. Because Wall Street, those who are, who are managing the funds, they have their fees. They pay their taxes. Your investment advisor or even your company sponsored advisor, advisors who are managing your company's investment portfolio, your 401k, what have you. They have fees, which of course all diminish what you actually got versus what the market actually produced. Then you must understand that in your overall portfolio, you have diversification wherein let's say 70% of your investments or 65% of your investments are in stocks, and the other 30% are in bonds that return considerably less. So now when you take the actual total, the grand total of what you actually receive, it's much less than that again. See, this is so basic and people don't understand it. So when you're when you're uh, when you're trying to downside the risk, you're putting your you know, a portion of your investment portfolio into bonds, maybe even in cash in some instances, which is gaining nothing and maybe even losing money based on inflation. And then you take the grand total of the overall return and dilute it through the lesser performing investments that you have or just cash. And immediately you realize that you're not only are you taking the market, whatever the market performed at, you're then paying fees. Then you're diluting it by the portion that you have in the market versus the portion that you don't have in the market, your overall portfolio. And wow, I'm only getting a 6% return. Yeah, that's how it works. So you have to recognize that. And there's nobody here locally who is going to be able to pick those stocks with any degree of certainty and know that you're going to do, you're going to do better than the market. Because if you can do that, then you better be working on Wall Street because the people who are on Wall Street who graduated from MIT can't do it. And they have sophisticated computer systems that you'll never have access to. And they still can't do it. So this notion that you're going to hire somebody who's really impressive and really competent to get a higher rate of return, it's not accurate. What that financial advisor is actually doing? What, what What? are they actually doing? They are involved in investment selection that are within your suitability, meaning they show you investments based on your tolerance to risk and what you have a comfort level with and your timeline or time trajectory. They are involved in the diversification to offset risk, as I've already talked about. And then at the end of the year or every six months or whatever you deem necessary or they deem necessary, they're taking those investments where previously you had 70, 70- percent in stocks, but now because the stocks performed well, now you have eighty percent. So then they are divesting of that and rebalancing that portfolio to continue to offset risk. And at the end of the year they're rebalancing. And then of course there's distribution when you need money to try to minimize the 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 downside loss in taxes or to maximize the tax benefits. That is in essence what a financial advisor is doing. And if you understand that, I bet for a lot of you that comes as a bit of surprise. You do not hire a financial advisor to get you a higher rate of return. You hire them to do those things. And those things are meaningful because the potential loss, the, 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 the loss on taking greater risks can far outweigh the upside potential that you may get or not get, which is frankly nothing more than a guess on most people's part. So if you don't understand that, then you're already on the wrong side of the game because you don't even know what you're looking for because you don't understand fully what an advisor actually does. And advisors are invaluable to you. They are invaluable to you, the things that they do. But you've got to have a clear understanding of what that actually is. We're going to take another break. We'll come back talking with you about how to make financial decisions and how not to make colossal mistakes that cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. We'll be right back.
4: If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business, and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low, and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business. Handle the filings and we'll meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.
0: If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? There are attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years' experience in this highly specialized field, and it is my job. Job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know, allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly, and most importantly, help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think, but don't waste time. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download Financial Crisis Bible or call us at 763 559 3800 That number again, 763 559
3: What are the first three letters in the
1: word smart? S M A. And S M A Exteriors and Restoration has made smart affordable since 1994. As an LP SmartSide Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the smart choice. Call today for your free estimate. Eight seven seven S M A today, or go online to S M A the number two D A Y dot.
4: You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker.
2: Welcome back, everybody. So, three classes or three investment selections for most people. One, paper assets. Talked about that. The second class, physical assets, which if you boil it down, pretty much we're talking about real estate, physical assets. Uh, The third category is individual investment stocks where you're actually investing in a company. And that takes a level of sophistication and presents a level of risk that is going to eliminate the majority of the population. Which means you're really left with two options, and that is paper assets, which is what everybody does. Why? Because everybody does it. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) You know, you're all jumping, holding hands, so it's okay. Even if it's not the most productive, even if it doesn't have the greatest degree of leverage, it's what everybody else does. So apparently it must be right, even though, you know, we're getting that rate of return. Well, look. I don't ever believe that a person should not fund their retirement accounts. I believe they should moreover fully fund their retirement accounts. And that doesn't mean it's limited to the 3% match at work. It means you should go to the max that the law allows within the tax system. And remember the qualified retirement accounts are ba- are tax inv- incentivized investments that, that uh, give you tax benefits as a result. So you've got that. And then you've got yeah, physical assets, which for the most part is real estate. So those are the things that are available. Now within that myriad of, of uh, two things, there is so much, you know, so I only say uh, two things, paper assets and physical assets. So that's, that's it. Yeah, but there are thousands and thousands of selections within each one of those. So that's where the complexity lies. But let me make some points about where the, the horrendous Uh, bad mistakes are made and how that costs you money. Let me just give you some here. So what should I study in college? There's a question. Is it, is it pursue your passion, honey? Or is it about money? Is it a business decision? You know, my frustration is how many people want to go to school so they can hop on the hamster wheel and go to work in a cubicle for the rest of their lives. And 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 don't put much more thought into it. Well, you know, you get a college degree and then you make decent money. Decent money. What kind of lifestyle does it buy? I don't know. I mean, it's what everybody else is doing. Oh, okay, great. So when I say when I say make decisions about my education. I want to look at it like I'm buying a business. I'm giving up the money that I would make if I went to work right now. So if I went to work right now for four years, I'd probably make, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year for the next three years. So whatever that or next four years, so whatever that number is, I gave up that. That was my lost opportunity on the income I would have made had I just worked a job and not gone to school. Then I have the cost of the education, maybe twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. So if I lost thirty thousand dollars a year for four years, holy crap, that's a hundred and twenty thousand. If my education cost me another $40,000, that means this education to get this job cost me $160,000 plus all the interest I'll pay on the debt while I'm paying it off. In addition to that, how much would I have had at retirement had I taken that same amount of money and invested it rather than paid it? And that's the actual net cost of that education. Was it worth it? Was the job I had waiting for me at the end worth it? If I'm gonna buy a business, you better believe that's the way I'm looking at it. Why don't people look at an education in that way? That's what I call monetizing an education. So should I go back to school? (laughs) I've already got a degree. Should I get a graduate degree? I don't know. What are you gonna do when you're done? How much money are you gonna make? What's the total cost gonna be? What's the lost opportunity cost? So how can I most effectively monetize my education to make the most money? Remember leverage that we talk about over and over again. Leverage is about getting the most for time spent or the resources that I bring to bear. Never forget that. That's what it's about. You know, when you look at things as a business, a business has two considerations. What earns the most money, makes the most money, and what costs the least. And that is the extent of the decision-making if it's a business, not a human being. And people just are incapable of not injecting what will people think and their personal sensibilities and their, their their you know their, you know, relationships and religion and all this other stuff. I'm not saying that stuff is unimportant, but I'm saying you have to make a decision based on those things because they're already there and you're incapable of not using, not thinking of things in those terms. But then let's step away as though you're making decisions to help someone else and you're looking at it from a 10,000-foot view, and the only considerations in this decision-making process is what earns the most money and costs the least, then... Combine that with your personal sensibilities, and then you'll make better decisions. So that certainly should be applied to an education. Should I start a business? How to start a business? Should I purchase an existing business as opposed to starting a new business? What is a good business if I'm going to be in business for myself? If I'm an employee, should I also have a side business, maybe a consulting business? What other investments should I consider in addition to my company-sponsored 401k or or tax-incentivized retirement account? Uh, Uh, Am I wasting money on insurance? Am I spending, am I paying for something that I don't need? Uh, Should I buy a new car or a used one? (laughs) There's a big one. Should I, should I, should my first home be an investment property? Uh, as opposed to the one I'm going to live in. Should I roll the money, the equity from the home that I live in into the next bigger home, or should I leave that home and then turn it into an investment property and be saving all along to buy my next property? I bet you all of you can relate to wishing you had done that. Uh, h- how to purchase and position to finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, investment property. And by the way, are those even assets? Remember, an asset makes me money and a liability costs me money. So when you think about your single family home, don't call it an asset. It's a liability. It costs you money. Um, how do I create and manage a budget so that I have more money to work with in the first place? Uh, how do I uh you know build or improve a credit score which costs me money if i'm a business what's a paydex score uh how can i lessen the chance of being sued what about what about my concern for entering into a relationship wherein there might be a divorce which could be exceedingly costly what about a business partnership which is actually worse and the business goes sideways and i lose everything that i built over the last 10 20 years all of these things are major considerations that people just dip their toes in, enter into mindlessly, and then make colossal mistakes that destroy their financial stability and their success over a working lifetime. These are the decisions that have to be made with a dramatic degree of knowledge and empirical data. And you have to know the metrics to use to measure them. So we're going to take another break. And we will be back talking about making good financial decisions and avoiding bad ones that cost you thousands of dollars. We'll be right back.
4: ...longer just about record-keeping. For decades, Arliss Cleveland has been passionate about helping individuals and businesses look at their taxes and financials in a big-picture strategy that allows them to position for maximum profitability. Arliss Cleveland Limited is big enough to handle any size client, yet small enough to give you the direct personal attention you deserve. Their philosophy is that accounting and tax services are about more than just numbers on a page. It's all about building client relationships that are personal. Call 763-786-4626 for a free consultation.
0: just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale?
1: Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's
4: full potential. At Home Rental Systems, we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums, and will attain the highest monthly rent possible.
1: Go to homerentalsystems.com or call now 612-701-4375
4: convenient offices in the Twin Cities. GreatWatersFinancial.com You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker.
2: Welcome back, everybody. So, if you're sitting there saying, yeah, I still don't know what a financial coach is. <laughs> so, let me give you, let me expand on some of those topics that I briefly just covered in short and let you know that we provide counsel, advice, guidance on every one of the things that we're going to talk about. Um, and I'll cover them quickly. So if you can relate to any of these things, you say, who do you talk to about these things? Hey, we're it. This is what we do. So I'll start off with what should I study in college? Should I go back to school? How can I most effectively monetize my education? How to start a business or purchase an existing business? Should I operate as a sole proprietor, partnership, LLC, S-Corp, or C-Corp? How to manage and grow the enterprise as well as how to position it for sale. Remember, you always build a business for sale. What is a good business in the first place? Where is the leverage in my business? How do I manage my cash flow and am I tax efficient? Should I reinvest the profits of my business back into the business or elsewhere? Can I scale my business? Is it a scalable enterprise? What other investments should I consider in addition to my 401k or company-sponsored retirement account? Am I wasting money on insurance? Do I need life insurance, disability, uh, uh, long-term care insurance? How much coverage do I need and how do I select deductibles? Should I buy a new car or a used one? Should I purchase an extended warranty? What kind of car should I buy? Should my first home be an investment property? Forget what you can qualify for. How much can you actually afford? Why own when you can rent or why rent when you can own? Or, you know, so sometimes, it's better to rent than it is to own. In fact, more often than you might think, it's better to rent than own. And which is right for you? How to purchase and position to finance a car, boat, home, lake, cabin, or investment property. Are these actually assets? Should I refinance my home? Should I pay extra towards my mortgage or invest it somewhere else? How do I protect my assets? Do I need a will or a trust? How to protect my beneficiaries from themselves when I'm gone? <laughs> That's a big one. Should I get married? Do I need a prenuptial agreement? How much should I spend on an engagement ring, my wedding ring? You ever think about when you get these percentages of how much based on your income you should spend on an engagement ring, where that percentage comes from? you think maybe the jewelry stores have something to say about that? (laughs) Should we hire a divorce attorney (laughs) when it all goes sideways with a better than 50% chance of that happening? How do I create and manage a budget so I have more money to invest in the first place? How do I forecast to make financial decisions in the future? How do I build, improve? or maintain good credit? How do I build a business paydex score? How can I lessen the chance of being sued? If I am sued, does it make sense to hire an attorney or not? And mount a defense. Should I retain an attorney to pursue a debt when someone owes me money? Can I still pursue a person or a company if they're filing bankruptcy? How do I manage and pay down debt? Can I settle? Should I consider bankruptcy and can I qualify for bankruptcy? What will I lose and what will I keep? All these considerations may sound simple, and uncomplicated, but they are anything but, and we can go on and on and on. And these are the decisions that people are making ongoingly, daily, mindlessly, or maybe they, you know, uh, consult a, a, a blog on the internet to make decisions by other people who don't know any more than they do. But apparently, you know, they go through it once they become an expert and now you take their advice. Look, where are you getting your advice? who are you talking to? Are you talking to people who are successful or do you just think they're successful because they're more successful than you, but even though they're more successful than you, they're still at the bottom 50%. <laughs> I'm not trying to beat everybody up. I'm just trying to say, you know, who are you listening to and who are you talking to? Um, as I say uh, and have said already, you know, if enough people say, a, make a statement that is incorrect as Evan and I talked at the beginning of the show and Everybody says it, but it's categorically wrong. Does it make you feel better that everybody else does it too, even though it's completely wrong and it's a horrible decision? Because there's so much of that out there. So you really have to consider, uh, you know, look, looking at things from a purely financial perspective and what makes sense. You know, business partnerships can destroy your financial life. Uh, when you go into something like that, are you fearful that it might not work out, but you'd rather not think about it? Or do you instead say, look, there's a high probability this isn't going to work out. Let me give you an example. You get into the restaurant business. I just had a guy who called me and wants me to help him, uh, uh, seek financing for a, a nightclub. Well, let me just tell you something about the nightclub and the bar business. There's a 90% failure rate. 90% failure rate. Now, of course, everyone believes that that's not them and that they're unique. Well, even if you believe that, doesn't it make sense to position yourself so that if and when something goes wrong, you don't lose everything and you haven't put all of your assets at risk. And so on the other side of this failure that has a 90% probability of happening, you are still strong enough financially to start again on the other side. Does that make sense? but how many people don't look at it that way because they f- they're fearful that they're going to what they're they're going to curse it right from the very beginning you have to look at things from the downside and say how do i position to minimize the loss these are These are things that people don't do. And, you know, when I talk about how much you spend on a wedding ring, an engagement ring, how many people buy way more house than they can afford? Because the way they demonstrate how are you doing financially is with the house they live in, the car they drive, the vacations they take, the schools they send their kids to, the handbags that they carry. And I'm aware that everybody does this, but it's wrong when it comes to money and finance. And that doesn't mean that you don't get to do these things. It just means you have to look at them and take a measured approach. Too much is too much. Too little's not enough. And how much am I giving up by making this decision? How many zeros are attached to this good or bad decision? If you start making decisions from that perspective, let me just guarantee you, you're going to be making very different decisions. But nobody does it. And they don't want to know how to do it because then they don't get to do what they want. And then they don't get to prove to people in a way that everyone recognizes how you're doing financially. You know, isn't it interesting that when somebody gets a brand new car, the garage door just happens to be open a lot more than it used to be? What are they doing? They're trying to demonstrate to everyone how they're doing financially. And oh, by the way, a car is a depreciating asset. It's not an asset at all. It's a liability. It loses money and invariably will go to zero, zero dollars in value in a relatively short period of time. So the idea that you're taking what little money you have to invest with and putting it into the cost of a new car or a really big house. And look, I understand. You gotta have a car. Gotta get to work got to have a house, got to have a roof over your head. got kids. I get it. But what is too much and what is not enough? Where's the sweet spot? Which, Which decision will give me a nice lifestyle and still give me money to work with to create stability and moreover wealth in my life? The most valuable money that can be spent is on a financial education. It is the single most valuable asset, if we can call it that, that you'll ever possess. Knowing how to make financial decisions from a position of financial accuracy in so much as you know exactly how much the cost is what the lost opportunity cost is, or what the upside potential and benefit and downside risk are. If you can make decisions from that perspective, you're going to make much better decisions than everybody else. And the irony is it'll have very little to do with how much money you make in your job because you can make a modest income and be vastly more successful than the than the population in general simply because of the decisions that you make and the way that you look at things. So if you want help in this regard, that's what we do that's what a financial coach is. That's what they help you do. Make these decisions and avoid the mistakes. Remember also that you only have so much money to work with in a reasonable world. You know, if you consider the gross income that you make and then you subtract out the standard withholdings that you'll have coming out of your check every time you receive one, you know, the federal tax liability that will come out of your check, the state and local tax liabilities. Uh, additionally, you know, any, any money that you might have to pay for health insurance, any might, money you have to, might come out of your check for company sponsored life insurance or annually renewable term life insurance. If you pay for disability out of your check, whatever's coming out of your check, that leaves you with this now much smaller amount, your take home pay. Well, now you have that money to spend on your life. However, You really don't, because much of that money is going to go for a roof over your head, keeping the heat on, food in your tummy, and putting gas in the car. Then, after you've paid for all of those things, you have this teeny-weeny little bit left, which we call discretionary money. Making mistakes with the little bit of money that you have can net colossal failure in life. So you want to be very conscious of how you direct those funds and what you're going to do with them. Make decisions from a position of financial accuracy. Understand how much you have to go through to have a little bit of money to make decisions with and to, and to create stability in your life. Additionally, always remember that stability is almost more important than anything else. If you cannot relate to the idea that, hey, uh, you know, we we I'm not interested in wealth. I'll bet you you can relate to stability. You start with stability, then you move on to wealth. Hope this has been valuable. What is a financial coach, folks? It helps you avoid bad decisions so that you can succeed in life. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.
4: This has been a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North. KSTP AM 1500.